Well, I'm really excited to get to share with you today because it's felt like a long time coming. This is my first time up and it's 2020 and we're in February. So um, <sighs> lean in. I encourage you that I really do believe if you do lean in, if you do take and apply what God's saying to you today, this is a game changer. If you take two of my many, many things I'm going to highlight today, you can literally change your world. So please lean in. None of you are here to waste time. I am not here to share information with you. I want to share something that's going to charge your spirit, that's going to fire you for the year to come and is going to create an impact on the world around you. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful place. I thank you for these amazing people who you love. I thank you for your presence in our midst. I thank you, Lord, that with your presence on my words, God, this is not just a download of information, that your Holy Spirit can take the words, they can give life, and they can cause people to hear what they need to hear in this season. Lord, I pray that as a result of this message, Lord, it would shift, it would shift things in people. Lord, it would shift perspective. It would create like a new filter in everything they do, God, that would cause mass impact on the world that they live in, that I live in. God, I give you glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do believe that the message today will impact your life. 100% or I wouldn't be standing here. I believe that this will also impact the people around you. I believe that if you can take and apply what I'm sharing today, that forgiveness that has been completely, completely impossible in your mind can become possible. I believe if you take and apply what's taught today, restoration of relationship, again, that's been out of reach and impossible, can become possible. I believe that if you take and apply, then a boldness can come upon you that you haven't walked in before. There are so many things that can happen if you'll do more than just listen, if you'll actually try and apply it to your life. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked, and, and there have been phenomenal messages, we've looked at hope. And we've looked at faith. And I actually listened. I wasn't here last week, but I listened to Pastor Stu's podcast, and it was incredible. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen. But we've talked about hope, and we've talked about faith. And so it seems kind of natural now to flow on and talk about love. Love, which is something so important in the kingdom. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13. It's commonly known as the love chapter, and it's definitely a personal favorite of mine says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow, thank you, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, excuse me, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. 
But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What I've just read to you is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. He's writing to a church that's lost their first love. He's writing to a church that lives with immorality all around. He's writing to a church where idolatry abounds. So many different temples so that all the people coming into Corinth could worship their various gods. They're living in tough times. Tough to be a Christian in a place where immorality and idolatry abound. And so he's writing to them, appealing to a church that has lost her first love. And the prevailing question of 1 Corinthians is this. How can I belong to and live in this city while remaining a Christian? How many people here, without a show of hands, I'm putting mine up. How many people here feel like they're in Hamilton, New Zealand? How can I live in this city? How can I live in this culture and remain a Christian? Not just one in name only, but one who's passionate, one who loves Jesus and who doesn't take up idolatry, though not idols, many other things in our culture are idolatry. Who doesn't walk in immorality? How do I be a Christian in this society? It's not my topic today, but I just want to whet your appetite. Go and read 1 Corinthians because I believe the same thing that Corinth needed to hear in the, in the society that they lived in, we actually need it for today. 1 Corinthians, personal devotion time. There you go. We all know people who seem ridiculously gifted. We look up to them. We champion them. Sometimes we fight our insecurities that cause us to want to hate them. Oh, okay. Is that just me? Sometimes I fight my insecurities that want to hate those people that can just do everything. They've got all the gifts. And Corinth were talking amongst themselves about all the gifts. And it's like, oh, well, tongues is the greatest gift. Enter Paul's letter. Let me just say before I read it again. It surprises me so often that what has value to the world doesn't hold value in the kingdom so much. And that what the kingdom values, what the kingdom, what God says is great. It's not what we necessarily define as great. So let's go back to our key passage. Verse 13, uh, 13 verse 1 to 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, and so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, 
And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Oh my goodness. If I give my body to be burned, it counts me nothing. If I've got all those great, I mean, Paul, incredible moving in the, in the prophetic. Counts us nothing without love. All the greatest gifts that we can give this planet without love counts as nothing. Tongues, prophecy and knowledge, faith, sacrifice, all of these were gifts that were given from God. And here Paul is saying, without love, they count as nothing. The greatest gifts that we could give of our humanity, of ourselves, without love, count for nothing. Count for nothing. Love is so valuable that without it, all of these spiritual gifts count for nothing. What is love anyway? The world tells us all kinds of things. It's sexual gratification. It's finding somebody that's going to tick off all our list of boxes as to how we best feel, find love. According to the world, love can be very temporary. We can, we can love someone and then we can just walk away. It can be temporary. But the, the thing that when I consider love by the world's standards... I find myself thinking that it all comes back to love is about me. But that's not the truth. It's not the truth. It's a truth that the world communicates to us. I mean, there's self-love and there's some good motivations behind self-love. We have to look after ourselves. Bit of a buzzword that links closely to this is me time. It's important for us to take care of ourselves, but love is actually not about us at all. It's not about us. The love we read about in this passage speaks of a different kind of love. It speaks of a love that is constant. It speaks of a love that is self-giving. Get this, without expectation of anything in return. It's a love that loves even when it's rejected. It's a love that gives Because it loves, not in order to receive anything at all. The kind of love I'm talking about is a love that denies itself for the sake of another. And let me say this to you. Love is actually something we are commanded to do. It's not just a nice idea. Jesus commands us in Scripture to love. Let me take you to Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The kind of love that Jesus was talking about here is, I believe, the kind of love that Paul's speaking about in 1 Corinthians 13. And I think it's really important in the world that we live in to point out the fact that Jesus doesn't call us to love the lovely. He doesn't call us to love when we feel like it or when what we need comes back to us. He uses, he says this, his his command is first to love God. And if you look at our purpose statement, the first part of it is worship Jesus. That's part of loving 
God. And I think something unlocks at this point. When we love God, when we extend our worship to Him, we get a reminder of how His love flows to us and we find our value and we find our worth and we find what we need to be able to give love. Love first, so worship Jesus. The very fact the very fact that we are able to have direct relationship with God, that we're able to come to Him as His children whom He loves, the very fact that we're able to do that should create in us both the ability and the desire to love people. Our second part of the purpose statement, I always get confused whether it's love others or love people. Love people. Love people. Love people. Love people. There's no, there's no some people, nice people, people that smell good, people that are good. Love people. Love others. So this week, as I've been mulling on this passage, which I like to do, I feel like I get pregnant with it, right? It's great. You just kind of stew on it all week. This week, I've just been stuck on the first two points of what love does, of what love is. And it's love is patient, love is kind. And I actually got stuck there because the amount of times this week where in spite of the fact that I love, I've found myself far from patient and far from kind has been amazing. And I'm not saying this to feel guilty or bad or anything, but when you consider what love is, it shifts your filter. So what you do is totally affected from this filter. So I catch myself viewing myself with the eyes of what love is, going, oh my gosh, I've got to check my heart. I've got to change my behavior. I've got to change my attitude. Just those first, let me just say this, those first two parts of what love is and does, those first two things could change your world. If you were patient and kind with all people, I actually believe they would come to Christ because they'd go, what? I spat at you and you, you were patient and kind anyway. Okay, so right, I've shared a little bit of journey about my week. But as I was tying up the, the ends of my message, I read a few more commentaries and I discovered that actually the better, the better word for what love is, more accurate word is actually not patient, it's long suffering. Love suffers long. I went, oh God, I don't do that well either. <laughs> love suffers long. The kind of love that we're supposed to apply in our lives is the kind of love that suffers long. So when stuff happens over and over again, our permission's gone. We don't get to spit the dummy and fly off the handle and show no patience and no kindness and just be horrible people. No, love suffers long. Love suffers long, the kind of love that we're called to. Let me read to you what Matthew Henry says about long-suffering. It can endure evil, injury, and provocation without being filled with resentment, indignation, or revenge. It makes the mind firm, gives it power over the angry passions, and furnishes it with a persevering patience, with a persevering patience, that shall rather wait and wish for the reformation of a brother or sister than fly out in resentment of his conduct. It will put up with many slights and neglects from the person it loves and wait long 
to see the kindly effects of such patience on him. Excuse me. I think that's something I'm learning more and more about God is he's in the big picture. He's in the long game. We want it to happen now. We want people to act right now. We want them to be lovable now. We want things now, 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 now. And yet God loves us in a way that is long-suffering, and we're actually called to do that. Can you imagine how that would shift people's experience of your love if you could suffer along with them, with that child that keeps spitting at you, with that child that just isn't there yet? If we could suffer long and love them anyway. Second one, love is kind. And I love this. I read a commentary and it said this, kindness in one's heart predisposes one to helpful action, which only requires the hint of a need before it takes action. It's the kind of love that's just waiting, waiting. It's looking for opportunity to how to be kind, how to do something that shows love to somebody else. I'm not trying to make anybody feel condemned, but I think it's good to have a goal. And if we want to love like Jesus loved, here's our goal right here. Please don't feel bad. Be encouraged, be inspired. I mean, let's be real. Too often my lack and ability to, long, to be long-suffering causes the opposite of kindness. It causes a look, and I can't do it now because it has to be, I have to feel it. It causes a look that like when that person didn't indicate before they turned and I waited for them, it's like a look that wants to just crucify them in that moment. I mean, like, Long-suffering kindness actually go together, and I, I do not hit the mark plenty of the time. Love does not envy. Now, I found this interesting point of information. Did you know that envy murdered Abel, that envy enslaved Joseph, and that envy was ultimately what led to Jesus being put on the cross. Envy is ugly. You do not want to walk with envy operating in your life. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So that's what it doesn't do. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Back to that long suffer thing. <laughs> because sometimes we go, yeah, I hoped in you 10 times already. I'm done. Now, nah, man, love always hopes. Oh, love never fails. Never fails. Jesus gave another command. And, and this command reinforces the importance of love. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, it says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If we, if we want people to know Jesus, then you and I need to love each other better. We need to get better at not the world's definition of love, but the kingdom definition of love. So I've got some take-homes for you. I made grand claims that at the start of this message, if you take and apply what's being shared in this passage of Scripture, it will change your world. I 100% believe this. 100% believe this. And I believe that your love in action, our love in action, 
will shout to our world that Jesus' love is something they need more than the loudest, most eloquent voice ever could. Your actions speak louder. Love was God's motivation in sending Jesus to earth. It was Jesus' motivation in living as a humble man and dying for the sins of humanity. Love never fails and love needs to be our motivation. So I've got some practical examples for the negative sides that we've talked about, about what love isn't. When feeling the need to boast, flip it. Celebrate someone else's win. Celebrate someone else's win. When feelings of pride rise up, flip that. Find someone else to lift up through encouragement. Better still do it publicly. Do it in front of others. When insecurity causes us to want to dishonor others, flip it. Give honor where honor is due. You can always find something honorable. I believe about majority of people on the planet. When anger rises up for good, or sometimes ridiculous reasons, like my car park example, flip it. Remember the grace that God has extended to you. I know if I consider that, I marvel. Because He knows all of me. He knows my entirety, all of my sufferings, all of my uh, inadequacies, all of my failures. If He had grace for me, then maybe I should show grace for some other people. Flip it. When someone wrongs you, instead of keeping a record that can and may be used against them, flip it. And you know better? Get rid of the scoreboard. Get rid of the scoreboard because it's not, I don't believe it's, it's just that we should throw out the negatives. So throw out that list of all the wrongs they've ever done that disqualify them from our love. I believe we also need to throw out the list of positives that cause them to earn our love. Because this kind of love, they have it anyway. This kind of love doesn't need a scoreboard. This kind of love exists because we're commanded to love and because we were loved first. Throw out the scoreboard. Husband and wives, the best thing that you can do for your spouse is get rid of the scoreboard. Don't hold back from them. Don't withdraw your love. Don't reward them for good behavior. Love them. Sorry, it's a buzz one for me. And you know, you might listen to that and go, but I can't. The habits are in me. They're there. When this happens, I do this. It's just what happens. I struggle with anger or I struggle with pride or I struggle with uh, that scoreboard thing. The answer doesn't lie in you. It's not in your strength that you're going to be able to flip these things and, and, and love like we're called to love. The answer lies in you spending time with the one who loves you. Because when you're reminded of what love looks like, you get filled up. You can't love with nothing in you. But when you connect to the love of God, that is more than any person can give you. That is never failing. That is constant. That is amazing. When you connect to that kind of love, you fill up and you are able to flip those things. You can break those cycles. And if you try and you can't do it, go to somebody like Nige. Go to a counselor. Get help. I'm serious. Get God. And then if you find cycles that you can't break, you seek help. There's nothing, there is nothing that fails when you do that. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. 
Have we caught some things about Christ-like love? Number one, that love, it's not about you. It's not about how much love you can get from others. You've already got all the love you need from God. His love will never fail you. He's always in your corner. He is always there for you. You have love. The love that we're called to, it's not a sometimes kind of love. It's not when you feel good. It's not when somebody tickles you the right way that you go, oh, I'll give you love. It's always, always kind of love. It's always kind of love. And you know, I believe if you can do an always kind of love with a world around you who don't know Christ, they're going to see Christ in you because there is no way a human not connected to Christ could exhibit an always kind of love. We're far too reactive, far too, we base stuff far too much on what comes to us. Our love, the love that we call to, exists for everyone, not just the somebodies of the world who give us status when we love them or reciprocate in a way that feels good to us. The love that we're called to is for everyone. Think about it. Jesus died for all of humanity. He didn't pick and choose. He chose all of us. Let's not, let's not be choosers. The love we're called to is for all. It's for everyone, all of the time. And this year, I want us to make a predetermined choice. See, I believe there's power in intentional living. I believe that if we predetermine our responses before we're provoked, before we're pushed, before circumstances or people fly at us, then we, we, we get back the control. If you predetermine that regardless of what flows back to you, you choose to love, then that's going to be what you do. Regardless of who comes my... Regardless of who comes my way, regardless of how bad they smell, regardless of how horrible I feel when I'm around, regardless of who comes my way, because you've got to acknowledge Holy Spirit is working. I'm going to love them. That's my choice. Regardless of my own insecurities or insufficiencies, how unqualified I feel to be able to do this kind of love, I choose to love because I have received from the greatest love giver there is. I choose to suffer long, to be kind, to always protect, always trust, always hope, and always persevere. Why? Because that's the gospel in action to a world who need hope, to a world who need, who need love. This world needs love. It's not based on them qualifying for it. They need love that is constant, love that gives of itself. You know, Jesus commanded us too. That's a good enough reason for me. We're commanded to love. And if love for humanity was a good enough motivation for Jesus to die for all of us, it's going to be my motivation. So I'm sure for each one of you today, something has hit home. Something that's going to shift might be all of it, but there might be a thing or two things that are going to shift your focus as you do all that you do in your day. Something that you can apply in loving all people all the time. For me, it's love suffers long and is kind. Actually, there's more than that. But it's a call to love like Jesus loved us. 
like Jesus loves the world. I'd love us to stand to our feet because I do want to pray with us about a few things. In a little while, we're going to pray collectively around loving like Jesus, loving like we're called to in 1 Corinthians 13. But before we do that, I'm aware that there might be people in this room who don't actually know what it feels like to have the love of God, who haven't actually said yes to Jesus yet. And it would be wrong for me to talk about this great love that changed my life, knowing that it can change yours too and not give an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. So I'd love all heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're in this place today and you haven't yet experienced Jesus as your personal Saviour, can you just show me with a hand that you'd like to pray a prayer? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's interested. This is a moment between you and God. If you have never said yes, thank you, I see that hand. If you've never said yes, thank you, I see that hand. If you've never said yes to Jesus, this is your moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. All right. Now I want to give a second call. And that call is for those believers here today who you you do consider yourself a Christian. However, if you look at the way your life is today, you can see that from where you were to where you are now, you've slidden away. You don't experience that intimacy that you once had with your father. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. You feel like you've lost your first love. Thank you. I see that hand. You feel like you've lost. Thank you. I see that hand. You feel like you've lost your first love and you just want to come back to that overwhelming, incredible feeling that you had when you first began. You you actually can't do this too many times. He wants intimacy with you. Just one moment longer, I want to linger because if there's somebody in this place who it's, your heart's on fire and you're just like, oh, I should respond, but I'm too scared. Nobody's looking around. This is you and God. You and God. All right. I'm trusting that everybody now is either praying this prayer together in support of others, praying it for the first time, praying as a rededication. Father, All right, we're going to pray this together. I'm getting on a tangent. Dear Jesus, I invite you in as my Lord and Savior. I'm sorry for every wrong thing that I've done. And I commit to living with you from here on in. I love you. Would you show me your love today? Amen. Awesome. Congratulations to those people that that was your first time. And I'm so excited for those people that put your hand up. It's so significant. So significant. All right. As a collective, I want to pray with us today because I believe every single person in this room has been mobilized has been mobilized to take something that you've grabbed today out into the world around you that is going to shout Jesus, that is going to demonstrate His love. So I just want to pray with you really simply. Uh, Don't repeat after me or anything like that. Just pray in your own heads and, and, and we'll agree together at the end. So Father, I thank You for every person in this place. I thank You for the love that You have given to each one of us. I honour you for that. Lord, let us never take that for granted. 
Lord, today afresh, would you fill every person in this place with that sense once more of your love, with a fresh and filling. Let there be no condemnation if the enemy's trying to ride on their thoughts to rob them of the fullness of your love. Right now, I rebuke that. And I pray that peace would reign in their minds. I pray for every person that you would almost put like a filter on their minds as they leave this place, but they would filter all that they do through love. Not the world's kind of love, but your kind of love. And Lord, I pray that every seed sown in love from these beautiful people would reap a harvest. Change agents, world changers. Lord, would you bless their efforts? Would you set their hearts alight again? In your name, amen.